Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the Frustrated Fans. I am Jeremy. I'm your host, Pete. And today we are here to talk to you about Star Wars The Force Unleashed for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and a few other consoles as well. You're remarkably remarkably calm about this one. Well, you see, after playing this game for a short amount of time, I came about with a... It's something called rage quitting. And after oh, I rage quit Sonic 06, right. Yes. Though I believe I took it to a whole new level. Yeah. So yes, you did. after that happened, I decided to become like a Vulcan, to purge myself of all emotion, to follow the teachings of Surak, and follow the examples of Spock and Sarek. Nerd. So now I am fully logical and free of emotions. Quick time events. Quick time events. They are moments that are very frustrating in games such as this. Look, Starkiller? Is a foolish name. The Force Unleashed. Is a foolish game. There's gotta be something I can do to trigger you. Star Wars The Force Unleashed was developed by multiple studios. LucasArts, Chrome Studios, N-Space, Universomo, and Asper Media. Each of these produced the different versions of the game, as there were many. Uh, Yes, we'll get to the different versions. Officially published by LucasArts, it also was sub-published through THQ Wireless for the phone versions, and Activision handled the Japanese release. Platforms included was the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, the Wii, the Xbox 360, iOS, uh, Engage, Nintendo DS, PlayStation Portable, Microsoft Windows, and Mac OS X. And yes, you did hear that correctly. This game was produced for the Engage. I mean, the Engage didn't even take off when it was originally supposed to. Why would anyone. Well, you see, after the Engage, I believe the term is bombed, they decided to redesign it. That redesign, despite getting more favorable reviews, also did poorly, because nobody liked the original. So they decided to change Engage into a mobile phone service. Why they continue to use a damaged brand name, we will never know. So this game actually came out for the Engage service, not the actual console. Ah. All right. So, Star Wars has the has the habit of making these huge media events, uh, interconnected events. I would say once a decade, if not, or more often. We just saw this with was it Shadows of the Empire? Was that it in the yes, early it 2000s? was. A, yep, it was a actually it was before it was a video game for the Nintendo sixty four right. in nineteen ninety seven. There was a comics there as well. There was a book. Yeah. And they all interconnected. So they were trying to repeat this success with what they call the Star Wars Force Unleashed. It didn't do as well as they thought, at least everything involved, but it was enough to merit a sequel. Yeah. It was created to bridge the gap, so to speak, between the prequel trilogy and the trilogy that people enjoyed. Mm-hmm. However, they... LucasArts was so sold on this idea that they actually pulled people off the developing uh, Indiana Jones Staff of Kings game, which 
nobody played, but that's another story. To finish this on, on schedule. But to do this, they actually took three different physics engines to and kind of and merged them into one, what is called what would you put it here? The Ronin? It is the the Ronin engine. So basically you had I'm gonna look this up. One of them was the Havoc engine, which if you all remember, and if you are Vulcan like I am, you will have perfect memory that the Havoc engine was used in Sonic two thousand six. <clears throat> It was also used in a good game called PsyOps for the PlayStation 2 and original Xbox. The other one was Euphoria and Digital Molecular Matter. Essentially, they were designed to... One one physics engine handled kind of like the construction of the game. The other handled how objects reacted when various effects applied to them, and I forget what the third one did. The Havoc engine, if I remember correctly, is used for more realistic physics. Correct. It is usually used in games where you can levitate objects, like PsyOps in Sonic 06 and, and The Force Unleashed. Unleashed. So, the thing is, I remember seeing Staff of Kings previewed in a Nintendo Power and thinking this was going to be awesome. I mean, the game really looked well-constructed. And then I'm wondering, okay, where is it? And I read, oh, they pulled Staff off this to make to, for The Force Unleashed. Yes, The Force Unleashed was a very complex game due to the physics. They wanted to make it more like you were actually using the Force. Right, and the less ragdoll physics and more, even more realistic. So, unfortunately, it was... The game, came, the game came out to a relatively tepid response. The hype for the game, like many games in this day and age, was more than what they could deliver on. The game itself turned out to be a relatively decent action title, but it had some poorly designed boss battles, many glitches throughout, and relatively average combat, despite the fact that picking up stormtroopers and throwing them off cliffs was highly enjoyable. True. But Star Wars games in themselves have... Well, that's a long list, since this franchise has been making stuff from all the way from the Atari 2600, and even the early arcades. Which uh, which of the older Star Wars games have you played? Um, I remember I played the Game Boy Cut of New Hope, which was crap. I'm sorry, it was. It was ultra hard, and I didn't really care for it. I, play, I rented all three of the Super Star Wars games for the Super Nintendo. But the first real game I'd say I had owned in earnest... Um... Probably Knights of the Old Republic and Rogue Squadron 2. I also ch- rented Shadows of the Empire a number of times, enough to say you qualify as almost of the game, but truly own Rogue Squadron 2 and Knights of the Old Republic. Yes, I didn't really get into Star Wars until junior high school, so I didn't play much before that, so I never played the NES games. I did play the... At the time, I watched. I was seeing the re-released movies, the special editions, mm-hmm. and I, so they did a re-release of all three Super Nintendo games. So I got to rent each one, and I rented them in reverse order. Okay. Well, because I'm kooky. All right. Well, how did you get involved with the franchise to begin with? Uh, my two of my friends took me to see the special editions when they came out in theaters. So you didn't watch them before as a kid before that? 
No. I knew basic things from pop culture, such as Luke, I am your father. Yeah. And things like that. Like in The Simpsons, where Homer and Marge walk out of The Empire Strikes Back right past a huge line of Star Wars nerds, and Homer says, Man, I never would have realized that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. (laughs) I want to do that one day. That would be funny. Yeah. For I am a very good runner. I hope so. So, my introduction to the French, I basically grew up with Empire and Return of the Jedi. My parents had them taped off TV, and I watched the crap out of them. Um, to the point that we, as soon as the VHS was available, we got my dad the three-pack of the original movies before before all the major changes came out. And then when it came in theaters, I definitely saw New Hope in theaters. But, yeah. So I've definitely been involved in Star Wars one way or another since about age five. As far as video games are concerned, yeah, ones I mentioned earlier, Rogue Squadron 2, Republic Commando, Coder 1 and 2, but I've stayed out of that MMO. Uh, Force Unleashed I did get for the Wii version originally. We'll get to that. And then the prequels. Yeah. I saw episode... They happened. Yes, they did. And I have had the misfortune of seeing episode one twice. I still regret I that. Saw it twice. I saw it twice in theaters as well. I saw. I still regret that. Mm. To this day, I still pretend episode one doesn't exist. Yeah. And you think I would have known better to see episode two and three right away, but when they came out, of course I did. Even purchasing the episode three video game. That game leaves still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. My opinions of the prequel trilogy were slightly different. I enjoyed episode one when I saw it. I enjoyed episode two when I saw it. Though looking back on it, eventually I went, only the Yoda fight was any good. And then episode three came out. And I fell victim to the dark side. I walked out of episode three. Looked to my friends when they asked me what I thought. I said, screw my money. I want those two and a half hours of my life back. Though I, mu- I believe I used a more colorful word than screw. Yeah. So, but that just leaves us the Force Unleashed. So, before we get into that, why don't we take our first break? Sounds good. Her name was Leia. She was a princess. With a Danish on each ear. And Darth Vader drawing near. So I'm too deep to. Found Ben Kenobi. Obi-Wan. He'd have to put the We're back. Alright, so The Force Unleashed. I bought this game shortly after it came out for the Wii. And played through it. And you know what? We'll get to my opinions of the Wii, but at the time I thought the game was frustrating. There were some parts that dragged on, but it was actually a good game in the end. Not a lot of replay value, though. When it originally came out, I played a good chunk of the PSP version of the game. Which was... It was decent. For the hardware that it was on, it was actually quite well done. Yeah. I have not, however, played the DS version, which I can only assume how that turned out. Yeah. yeah. There's very few good three-dimensional, like, third-person 
DS games I actually like. Uh, I would go as far as to say there are no good 3D games on that system. Yeah. Uh, Metroid it's, Prime I, Hunters. But that was more of a first person. As I said, I do not believe there are any good 3D games on that system. So. Certainly better than Star Fox Command. Ugh, I, I, the other day when I had a massive sinus headache, that was better than Star Fox Command. Alright, let's continue on. We got the different versions of the game for this sake of this podcast. I picked up the Xbox 360 version. You picked up the PS3, right? Correct. What either of us realized is that the 360 and PS3 versions are different from the Wii and PSP versions. There are essentially two versions of this game floating around developed for various hardware. I'm not going to bother to comment on the Engage because that's beneath contempt. Uh, and we'll get to it, but I honestly think the Wii version is better. But we'll get to why in a minute. And we've also discovered that the PlayStation 2 version is essentially the Wii version, just with slightly not at well, well no, no motion, motion controls. controls. Yeah. No motion controls, and the graphics aren't as good. Right. Which makes sense, as the Wii is more powerful than the PS2. Right. As far as the graphics are concerned, eh. you can tell they've more focused more on the physics portion than they actually did pushing getting every performance level that they could have out of out of the consoles as they could. And honestly, yeah. this is a problem when you develop things for multi-platform. This is, yeah. Yeah, and also this was in 2008 when people were still having problems developing games for the PlayStation 3. And 360. So. Well, no, they, the PS3 people had, for a while, whenever games came out on both consoles, the PS3 version was the weaker of the two. Because mm-hmm. it, it was a harder system to develop for than the 360 was. But, honestly, graphics... I, I'm willing to put aside bad graphics so long as the games work well. So... Oh, I I agree. I mean, we mentioned this during DuckTales. I'll play retro games all the time. I play PS1 games oh, that yeah. are 3D. I mean, I play 3D games on the Sega Saturn, and those look even worse than the stuff on the PS1. Right. So... Uh, on the plus side, every, I mean, the animations are actually pretty decent. Like, right. on... Starkiller himself, whenever he's wearing more, like, loose-fitting clothing, you'll actually see, like, stuff flapping around, mm-hmm. you know. So th- there was there was an attention to detail on it, so I will give them credit for that. Yeah, and I'll say what you want, the Force powers, when they're in action, whether it's, um, you know, just pushing and pulling things or, say, it's lightning or whatnot, the, the effects in that regard do look pretty decent. It's just there's an overall, yeah, they didn't push the systems as far as they could. No. I mean, it's not as bad-looking as, say, Sonic 2006, <laughs> but especially when you compare it to ga- other games that came out in 2008, it really doesn't match up. And especially now, it has not aged very well. No. In only seven years. Right. The sound, on the other hand, you got classic Star Wars music and and sound effects. Well, sound effects anyway. The music is, okay... It's a lot of it was recycled from the movies, and I'm okay with that. But I also want to see you know attempt to do anything new too. Yeah, I, I would like to hear something different. I mean, one of my favorite games in question in this franchise, Star Wars Republic Commando. The first thing you hear when you turn on the game is an original vocal track, a marching a marching track called Vodeon, and that really sets the tune of the game. Yeah, I think example. It's- I mean, it's once consoles hit that point where they're able to replicate 
the music exactly, it started to get a little old. Like, Mm -hmm. when you look back to the ones on, like, the Super Nintendo, it's really cool when you hear that the 16-bit versions of the different themes. Right. Nerd! But nowadays, like, okay, we've been hearing these same songs for forever now. And while John Williams actually didn't work on this game, I will give them credit for mimicking the score pretty well. Yeah. Like, the mu- the new music in the game does sound like something you'd hear in the movies. So I will give them credit for, you know, the authenticity of it, mm-hmm. but I would have preferred something different. Yeah. The voice acting is decent, at least. Um, but the... Mm. It, it's... The script isn't exactly great. So... No. There's not much there. The Vader sounds par. It's the guy who played Chad Vader. Who's the main... Oh, it actually is him? Yeah, it's it. I looked it up. Yeah. It's... Oh, my God. He... All right. He got, he, got, he got hired by LucasArts when they want to save money on a Star Wars project and not oh, call in James Earl Jones, essentially. Okay. Yeah, I did not know that. Princess Leia's brief cameo sounds Ugh. nothing like Carrie Fisher. No. Not even close. Nope. She, she has the same... I mean, she's the character still comes off as a total, like, bitch, but, mm. which I, looking back at the movies, I don't understand, I hated that, I hate her character so much. You know what the, you know what the weird thing is, and they are in the original mm. trilogy anyway? Hmm. Name me other, one other significant female character. Hey, where are the white women at? There were other significant female characters? White point, Exactly. Yeah, Aunt Baru. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, were there any other female characters? Period. Hey, where are the white women at? I can tell you one, and she only shows up for one scene. In which Return one? of the Who Jedi. Was... It's the bon- oh, in the when they're all doing the big conference. Right, it's Mon Mothma, right. essentially the leader of the rebellion. How do you know that? Because I'm a nerd. That was it. And that's her only scene. And she was quite bland. Yep, there is no, other than Princess Leia in the original trilogy, there are no significant female characters. Scary, huh? Yeah. I guess she is the best character in there by default. Yeah. Default! Woohoo! The two sweetest words in the English language! Whether the One. fact that George Lucas just can't write women as evidence. Considering the pre considering the prequel trilogy, I'm gonna go with he can't write women. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So Yeah. The one real noticeable or notable voice actor, like professional voice actor in this game, is Susan Eisenberg, who voiced Wonder Woman in the DCAU. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you end up she's a boss character and she only gets like a few lines. Shakti? So. Was that the character? That she played? Yeah, okay. Yeah, she was the uh, third Jedi that you go after. Shakti, yeah. Yeah. God, I'm a nerd for knowing that. Because I'm a nerd! <laughs> Alright, so I'm also a nerd for knowing who Mon Mothma is. Um, nerd! Alright, so the basic story no, is... I, well, I think I can top that nerd. You know in uh, the first movie where they call up the um, stormtroopers after Han and Luke beat the crap out of them? Yeah. Oh, the number they call TK-421. it. TK421. Yeah. Yeah, I have that memorized, too. I'm Warp surrounded by geeks! <laughs> All right. Um, so the basic story is that I mean, it's no secret that the Sith always betray each other. I mean, this has been one of the major 
functions of the game, it was set out in this Darth Bane book series that this is actually good for Sith in their own morality system, is that it if Sith challenge each other, it it, it makes sure that only the strongest Sith live on. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's Vader, so- essentially, when he's staging a raid to kill a rogue Jedi, he finds a a son of this Jedi, kills the Jedi, and takes the son as a secret apprentice. He goes, you shall be my scrappy-doo. Not quite. He, um... Now, I read the novelization of this. God knows why. Um, like me, I guess you're just a glutton for punishment. Yeah. It's, we'll get to that in a minute. But the short version is is that Vader pretty much erases this kid's memory of his father uh, to take him on as his apprentice, giving him this very limited identity as, you're my apprentice, you're going to help me take down the Emperor, eventually. Actually, and it's funny, the name of Starkiller for him yeah. doesn't even show up in the game. It actually shows up in other stuff. I'll be damned. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they ever call him Star... Because in all, like, the press and everything, they just refer to him as The Apprentice. Hmm. Nerd! So, technically, Vader is violating the rules of Sith by hiring his own apprentice, since he's technically not supposed... To, if The official rules of the Sith is that he's not supposed to do that until he takes the Emperor down himself. So, Whatever. does he say, screw the rules, I have the Force? Pretty much. Screw the rules, I have green hair. That's your one abridged reference. <laughs> I have used it well. Yeah. God damn it, Napa. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious and all. So, it, the sto- I mean, the story's not the worst thing. I mean, you and I have seen far worse in terms of, like, Star Wars fan fiction, oh, which is Lord. basically what this yes, is. Yes, we have. Um, and basically, Starkiller, at first, he uses him to build him up to take on the Emperor. After Starkiller is discovered... Vader re reattunes his mission so that he wants to distract the Emperor by having the Apprentice essentially create the Rebel Alliance. Which, I, I have to say, this scene where the Emperor finds him is the funniest damn thing in this entire game. Oops! Saving your back! <laughs> Which, I, yeah, Vader runs him through, he falls to the floor, looks up at Vader and goes, Master, we can still defeat him! You're I'm bleeding like, out. Well, no, you wouldn't you be bleeding have a out. Hole but, yeah. You have a hole in you. And then, so, the Emperor is like, Vader, kill him. And so, Vader doesn't just pick him up and force choke him. He throws him around the room, bangs him into stuff, and then throws him out the the apparently non-shatterproof window out into space. He then floats around in space, is picked up by a robot in space. Yeah. Who's floating in the vacuum of space. Unmorphed. And yet he's still alive is flown back to some unknown location. And healed. And is brought back, which lets him say my favorite line in the game, You... You killed me! He got better. There really should have been, like, a silent beat right there. Just Vader staring at him, him staring at Vader, and Vader goes, Are you done yet? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it did. So... And then, yeah, he sets Starkiller off to create the Rebel Alliance. And after we return from a quick break, Pete will cover the novelized version. So they stopped into Mos Eisley to have a drink with Han at the Star Wars. Star Wars Cantina. The weirdest creatures you've ever seen. Here at the Star Wars. Star Wars Cantina. 
The video game market has actually turned to novels to expand on the story of late a lot, last ten years or so, and some of this has yielded really good fiction, and some of it has not. Because let's face it, video games are interactive mediums. If you literally try to make a book out of an existing video game of the same story, it's it's going to be hard, because you're essentially taking an interactive medium into an inactive medium. Uh, now, if you're using books to expand on the story, that can actually be good. See the Halo books. Some of them, anyway. But LucasArts also commissioned a novelization of this, of the game, and like I said, I read it. Well, if there's anything that Lucas is known for outside of pissing people off by going back and changing stuff, it's merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. As far as the book goes, um, I mean, I've read worse video game books, but for a book that spends considerable time trying to, quote, expand the characterization of both Starkiller and Juno Eclipse, which is his love interest slash pilot, Ugh, Juno Eclipse. Uh, they, Where did they come up with these names? Uh, they don't do it very well. So, they, they really don't. The best one, I can actually... If you're looking for the closest thing to a good translation of a direct video game to book, Halo of the Flood is about about the best you're going to get, but even then, it it's not... Even long Halo fans don't think the book is that good. So, well, I mean, it's also hard to take a game that, like this one, where they supposedly offer you, you know, like freedom of attack however you want throughout the uh, act, like through the missions, mm-hmm. and then try and turn that into a book where it's like, well, we're only going to have him do a specific thing in each mission. Well, generally they gloss gloss over those, and you more see while he's doing X, Y, and Z, you see more what's going through his head. I gotcha. So that's not a bad bad thing. Now yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever read a book that was based off like that was directly you know off video game events. Um, again, the Halo series is actually a pretty good one to get into. The original three, I think, and then some of the extras. Now, as far as let's talk about the game itself. As far as gameplay, you you're basically it's your basically third person platformer. Best way to put it, take it, action adventure where you. You go to stage to stage, fighting increasingly difficult enemies, and have some puzzle play. And then each stage ends with a boss fight. And you get experience as you go, allowing you to level up your abilities and unlock new ones. The yeah. so difference doing is... That, yeah, go ahead. Doing that uh, with the experience, you get to like change your combo system, you can throw your lightsaber around, you can power up your attacks so they're more effective, you can increase your health and all the good stuff. Okay. There's a fundamental difference, however, between the 360 and PS3 and PC cut versus the Wii and PS2 cut. In the PS, the Xbox 360 and PS3 cut, when you die, you have to go back to your last in-game checkpoint. Fair enough. A lot of games do this. When you go through the Wii PS2 cut, if you die, you lose some of the accrued experience you've gotten to that point. 
but you regenerate shortly, pretty close to the point where you got killed off, so you can just pick right back up. But wait, so the game does penalize that, you for dying, but you can yeah. still continue through the game. That's kind of a stupid penalty, though. So it takes away your experience, the experience you have. So Some of it, it makes anyway. it so doesn't take all of it. You can't power up your characters quickly, which then makes the game harder. Well, you can get back, get it back fairly easily. I mean, it's not like experience is hard to find in this game. Yeah, but still, I mean, I thought Dragon Quest was kind of a dick for taking away half your money. So, but even the force powers and combos are different in the two cuts of the game. And the PS3... Um, let me ask you this outright. Did you use any of the combos in the PS3 cut? Yeah, I used a little bit. Uh, the main one I relied on was... Uh, it was like... For you, it would have been like X and uh, X and Y, but it was like square, square, triangle, triangle, whereas you do two normal slashes and then do like the lightning slashes. That was a pretty good powerful. Like, yeah. Yeah, I noticed the lightning ones were just OP. Right. And Impale, which isn't actually in both cuts, is a very useful power. That's where you grab an enemy and you tap the – essentially you tap throw a lightsaber and you throw, toss it into their chest and pull, pull your saber right back and they drop dead to the ground. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it was with the normal throwing the lightsaber, unfortunately the targeting system's kind of busted. So I'd try to throw it in an enemy, but then the targeter would randomly go, no, you're going to target this guy over here. Yeah. Um, or you're going to target the wall. However, the Wii version the PS2 and the PS2 version has – better expansions of the powers. You get to do more with the basic think, force powers. Well, see, I think the reason why they did that was in the Wii and PS2 versions, you're not going to have... Obviously, they couldn't do the more advanced physics engine stuff, mm -hmm. so probably to make up for it. And also, it was a different developer working on it, so they probably went, okay, how can we make up for the fact that they can't do all the... Basically, all the bells and whistles that are the selling points of the PS3 and 360 versions. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean... One of the first things I, ta I texted to you when you picked started playing the game was get Force Maelstrom, which yes. I got I got in the Wii and PS2 versions when I played through it years ago, because Maelstrom is one of the most useful powers in the Wii and PS2 version. Essentially, essentially Star Killer he extinguishes lightsaber and he creates this this radius where if any enemy or object is in this radius and he he builds up power is caught in this. Um, cyclone, uh, cyclone around him. It keeps getting spun faster and faster. And then at, when you tell it to, you release the maelstrom and everything flies in all directions. He's an awesome power and it's a really good one if you're surrounded by enemies. Which does happen from time to time. The Xbox 360 and PS3 version of this is you just get a minor, you can just do a force pulse to blast away enemies. That's yeah, it. Nothing that cool. That's it, yeah. So... Honestly, the Wii and PS2 version do it better. Yeah. They really do. Um, not only that, but you get unique stages in the PS2 version and Wii version. You really do. And you get new bosses that you do not see in the Xbox 360 and PS3 version, with one exception. One of the major selling points of the 360 and PS3 version is you get to fight a version of Darth Maul. Who was arguably the coolest part of the first of uh, episode one? He's the only cool part of episode one. And then I, you know what? I really like the soundtrack to episode one. And yeah, Duel of Duel of the Fates plays while you fight him, and okay, that's cool. It's one of the harder bosses in that game. 
but I still beat it on the first try, so it's not that hard of a boss. The, the, most of the difficulty I ran into with the bosses was the fact that this game wasn't wasn't working properly for you. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm used to difficult games. Like I really enjoy the Devil May Cry games, and those games can get hard as balls, but everything in there actually functions properly. Yeah, there is one flaw in all versions, however, and it's the flaw known as quick time events. Uh. Yeah. Um, you can let me. You know, I'll give. For those of you who don't know what they are, I can give a quick description please. of what quick time events are. Essentially, this is something that actually goes all the way back to, say, Dragon's Lair, where you get to a certain. Oh moment yeah, that in was the, the first quick time event game. That was all yep, it was. Huh? That's all it was. Essentially, quick time events. Inst- you'll see what looks like a cutscene, but instead of just watching your character jump around or dodge stuff or take out somebody. You are th- a button prompt is thrown at you, and this can range from easy stuff to press square, or on uh, take uh, Resident Evil Four on the GameCube. It'll tell you to hit L and R at the same time. Right. Or in the case and, of the Wii version of this game, you have to put the you either have to shake the nunchuck or st- uh, remote at, at the right time, or even orient them so they're in a specific direction. Yeah, and like I said, this has been around since the time of FMV games, like Dragon's Lair or half the stuff that came out on the Sega CD. And though they kind of disappeared for a while, they got really popularized popularized with two games, Resident Evil 4 and God of War. Yeah. And to be, ever since those two came out, Quick Time Events have come back with a vengeance. Yeah, and, and they're not fun. No, no, no. they're not. It's just... Push X to not die, essentially. And you can literally, in this game, you can drain an enemy down to zero health. And if it's a boss character, they will not be dead until you engage in the quick time event. Yep. And that was the breaking point for me in this game. When I... Yeah. Yeah. And so, to be honest, quick time events, to me, range from tolerable to, dear God, what the hell. I can tolerate them if... Um, if they kind of basically they teach you early in the game what they are, mm-hmm. to the but you they become quickly second nature where you they don't every time slow the game down and say push X and not die. If you know at one point that you just have to hit X or circle or whatever here to do what you need to do, and the game just says okay whatever and continues on, then there's no problem. Or if they just make sense in the context of the fight yeah, that's or true. like of the scene. So like if you're told to dodge and you're told to hit a shoulder button, that makes sense. You know, like in Resident Evil Four, half the time when you're dodging something, you're hitting the two shoulder buttons. So I mean, and once in a while, bad stuff happens. But my main problem with these things is when you get games that load them in, don't give you enough time to react, and then change them up each time. Yeah. Like. One of the examples would be Resident Evil 5 pulls this crap a lot. Resident Evil 6 was the absolute worst of it all, but that game was just the worst. Mercenaries 2 is really bad about this, too. Yeah, I I didn't finish that game. Yeah, the only time I've played a game where I actually liked the quick time of it, I can't really say I really liked them, but I liked the results of them, was I've actually been playing the um, Naruto games on the PlayStation 3. Vegeta! I can't! Believe it. 
Yeah, I actually I don't even like the show, but the games are fun as hell. And they actually feature a lot of quick time events in them. And the co- the reason why I don't mind them is they give you enough time to do them, they let you recover, and while you're doing them, the most epic looking stuff is going on because these games look incredible. Like the visuals in these games are insane. So I actually don't mind the quick time events in them because they're fair and damn, they provide some awesome looking stuff. But we'll continue with gameplay after the next break. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah Where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda S-O-D-A soda I saw the little wren sitting there on a log I asked him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda So The AI in this game isn't great um, at least for <laughs> at least just for standard enemy AI. The boss AI is another story. Um, essentially, the game throws a lot of mooks at you just for you, and you, all you ha- you have to go through them. You can't run just past them, which okay, that's uh, arguably a plus in some respects. Yeah, because you do get experience from every single enemy you kill, and if you find more creative ways to kill them. You get more experience, though. The problem is the straightforward ways of killing enemies are more effective than the creative ways because while you're trying to think, hmm, should I throw this guy into some explosives to kill a bunch of people or should I just quick zap him with lightning so I can stop these five other guys from blasting me? Right. And even then, the the Sith lightning and your basically your force throws is different between the two cuts of the game. I kept looking for the 360 for two things, besides Force Maelstrom, which wasn't there. One was the Force Choke ability, which isn't in the 360 cut, and the massive Lightning Storm, which isn't in the 360 cut. It's in the weak cut. You essentially drain all your Force at once, but you just throw out this massive amount of life lightning in two seconds that kills almost everything in your way. You know, I'm surprised they didn't go with, like, Force Choke on this, because you think that'd be one of those basic things to do. That's actually one of the most satisfying things in the Wii version. If you're facing one guy who's really annoying, you can pick him up, you turn the nunchuck upside down, and you just see him start struggling as you can feel it, you can feel the vibration indicate that he's choking to death. You don't know the power of the dark side. Yeah. And then you one just of the toss them only... aside, because, like, you're a badass. Oh, yeah. It was, like, one of the only good things they did in the second game was they gave you the Force Mind Control, mm-hmm. and you could choose... You could actually... They gave you a couple options. Um, your enemy could either kill himself, which is funny, but sometimes you'll get a good quote. I may need to play like that a, second game. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Okay. It's, this is only a good part of the entire game. Um, it's actually... The second one's more broken than the first one is, and it's, like, not even functional at points. Um, but you can take control of enemies, so, like, I took control of one guy and went, I can't live anymore! And he jumped into one of those big force fields and disintegrated. Nice. Or you could, um, sick them on their own partner, so they'll turn around and start shooting each other. Ironically, you could do that in the, when you were playing a Jedi in the Episode 3 game. Mm. Uh, but you had a, eventually they, they would break out of it and you'd have to kill them anyway. That was the one smart thing they did in the second game where you can take control of people. Is that's just 
infinitely fun to see them do different stuff, like blast themselves, jump off of cliffs, jump into force fields. And maybe because it was my second time playing through the game, but I got less enjoyment out of just picking someone else and tossing them off a cliff. And then we, I, I, I admit, I had an incredible amount of enjoyment, especially on Felucia, when you'd have the, the mushroom warriors run right at you. I just pick mm-hmm. them up one by one and toss them off a cliff, toss them off a cliff, toss them off a cliff. It's just like, you guys want to keep coming at at me? What? I think the smarter thing to do would allow you to pick up more than one enemy at, at a time. Yeah. I mean, granted, that might have been a limitation of the of the engines. Well, however, in Sonic 06, you can pick up a bunch of barrels and throw them at people. Well, you could, but it didn't work very well, at least in the uh, 360 version. And remember, and the, I finished it. You didn't. So, uh, oh, in the Force, Unle- oh, so in the Force Unleashed, you can pick up more than once you one get thing fully upgraded. Yes, but okay. it, it doesn't work very well. More often, you're just going to target like one person. Okay. Does the frame rate ever take a hit when you're controlling more than one thing at Not once? Not really, but again, it's more likely you're just to hit more than one person. It's just the basic force throw, not the gotcha. pickup individual. I did like it with the Force Lightning, where if you power it up, you press and hold on the button, and it'll start affecting more than one person. Right, and then that's what I was talking about, the Wii version, like, except that in that version, you just you throw this massive storm at people instead of just affecting more than one person with the Lightning. So, yeah. yes, if I'm people, I'm telling you, if you're going to play this game, do the PS2 or Wii version. Seriously. Yeah. It, it's, I, I think it's, it's got quick time events, it has annoying parts, but it's more fun. Yeah. I think one of my main problems with this game is you feel kind of like a wuss. Not, in, every, not in the Wii version. <laughs> well, okay, in the PS3 version, I haven't, because I haven't played the PS2 or Wii ones, but you basically, you don't have that many long-range things outside of the force push and things like that. So you're constantly fighting back against enemies that are shooting you from afar. There's snipers in this game, which is annoying. Yeah. I do like how your character will, for the most part, automatically reflect some blaster shots, so that's nice. But when you're completely surrounded, and then when there's some enemies that are set up, it's like, oh, here, you got a new force power. Here's an enemy that absorbs it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. There's less of that in the Wii version, I think. Yeah, I mean, while I was playing this game, I decided to pick up PsyOps for the PS2 again. Like, I just, I still have it, and it's, that game is still good. That game is that was on the PlayStation Two. It came out ten years ago now, and it's still and it's better than this because you feel like a total badass. Like you can pick inside ops. The first thing you get is the ability to like pick up enemies or pick up objects. You can pick up an enemy and then just start shooting them while they're in the air. At one point, I threw an explosive barrel into a guy. He it exploded, sent him flying, and he crashed into another guy, killing them both. I admit that there were certain times in the in both cuts of this game when I did essentially launch someone into orbit with a force throw, and it is it's fun just to watch them. Yeah. On the on the occasions you can do stuff like that, yeah, it's cool. It's like throwing what like when enemies are around explosive objects, and you throw one explosive there, and you see. Boom, and they'll die. That's fun. I see. Again, I haven't played the game in a while, so I may be overselling the Wii version, but I seem to remember more control of where you could toss people in the Wii version. Hmm. Maybe there was. Remember, the Wii and PS2 would have had 
less of the physics stuff in this one, so it would have been more basic things. Well, moreover, so it probably would have been easier to throw them around. Moreover, the Jedi Temple level, three of them, in the in the Wii and PS2 version, are an important part of the game. It's even an important part of the story. It's the apprentice going through major trials of the Force to be, I guess, the Sith version of a Jedi Knight. Yeah, we will like the PS3 and 360 ones. The one that got the ones that got touted the most. Like, I mean, there was so much ridiculous hype behind these. Granted, with all, usually when a game is hyped to hell and back, it's not going to live well, up to it. Well, don't forget the first teaser of this game is the apprentice standing on the machine planet, and this star destroyer is coming, is flying through the atmosphere at him. He grabs it with a force and crashes it. And then when the game came out, that part was actually noted in almost every single review as one of the worst parts of the game. Well, I had to double-check the Wii version, but I'm, in the 316 PS3 cut, it's a quick-time event. A who yeah, bloody yeah. ray. On the Wii yeah. version, I think you just it just does it in a cutscene. Which I'd prefer that. And even in the cutscene, it's just like... Because you, you get this sense of, like, how really invincible you are. Yeah. And to be honest, in games like this, feeling like a badass, feeling powerful is one of the best parts of well, it. Well, arguably, getting... I think the motion controls contribute to that. I really do. See, I'm Just me personally, I don't like motion controls. I've never liked them. I never will. I've tried playing games with them, and I just... Don't like. I just want to sit down and play the damn game. Like I tried playing yeah. through Zelda Skyward Sword, which granted that game has other problems besides the motion controls, but the having to you know for uh, at certain points, yeah, swinging the Wii remote to like swing Link's sword and stuff of like that was kind of cool until you have to keep resetting the damn thing every few seconds. Like oh, it's off, it's off. Oops, it's screwed up. Or and the fact that I, when you get when you fly his little bird dragon thing in that game, it's absolutely broken no matter what. Or both Metroid Other M and Metroid Prime 3 forcing you to point the remote at the screen just to aim. And in Metroid Other M, it seals your feet to the ground. You can't even move. I mean, why do they take a perfectly good system in Metroid Prime 1 and 2 and mess it up? Oh, and then they really messed it up when they released the trilogy and switched out the controls in the first two for the Wii controls. Yeah. This goes back to even my hatred of Star Fox Force Command. If you force people to use motion controls only, the game takes a hit. Yeah. I don't mind if they're an option. Like like I said, that was one of the things I hated about Zelda Skyward Sword is they force you to use motion controls where after you've played the game for about half an hour, you realize there's still just a gimmick. You get ti- well, like, that, that, that gets tiring. Yeah. And it you have to be for me, you kinda I had to be in like the right mood to play the game. Be like Yeah. You know, I want to play some Zelda, but I don't want to deal with swinging the thing around. I'd rather just go and play Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time or something. Yeah. You know, so if they would have made it an option in there, that would have been one thing. I mean, like I said, Skyward Sword had plenty of other problems besides the motion controls. Yeah, I I don't know. I've just never really cared for them all that much. Outside of playing some like playing uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland on the Wii, where the only motion control is as you're like trying to suck up stuff, you can shake it and he'll like it'll like power him up like that. I don't mind. 
And Sony tried to do this when the PS3 first came out with the uh, six-axis controller. They would shoehorn in motion stuff into random games. Yeah, well, I mean, both major companies, Sony and Microsoft, both ended up implementing motion systems into their major consoles to their detriment. Yeah. All right, let's, and... so we'll finish our wrap-up after the next break. All in all, this Ultra Media event did not come up to Shadows of the Empire. At least, what that one managed to accomplish, story-wise and everything else. However, it, the game itself was popular enough to warrant a sequel. Which is terrible. I've played the sequel. Uh, I got to the first boss of the game... Hit points were quick time events were in it that were completely busted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hit detection in the game is worse. Basically, everything in the second game is worse than the first one. They rushed it, essentially. Yeah, they rushed it out. It is apparently like four hours long. And the ending is just, meh, we're done, bye. LucasArts has a problem with doing this. Um, Coder, Coder 1 was a phenomenal game. Coder 2, on the other hand, was no mean by means a bad game, but they left several major story elements out. Actually, well, the reason why well, Kotor 2 was actually developed by somebody completely different. They were developed by Obsidian uh-huh. and not LucasArts. Well, yeah, they had a hard deadline, and they had to make it, so they end up cutting major story elements out. And the ending, it, it doesn't end. You beat the final boss, you talk for a bit, and then the game ends. Yeah. In um with the Force Unleashed, they actually released three pieces of DLC for it, which neither of us played because <laughs> screw you, I'm not paying ten bucks per DLC for this thing. Mm-hmm. Which all got released. They came out with something called the Ultimate Sith Edition, which came with all three DLC packs. The second game got one DLC add-on for ninety nine cents. Yeah. That shows you how popular that game was. And it was a full DLC thing, like about as big as the ones in the first game. Yeah. Which, it's another, which this, I mean, this is kind of a, this has become like a real annoyance for me lately because something that happened in 2013, I think it was, or maybe it was 14, whenever it came out. Um, When Batman Arkham Origins came out, that game was busted too. Like it had a bunch of bugs and random stuff and crashes and stuff. They patched it a couple times. There were still a bunch of broken bugs in it, and they said, "Yeah, we're not going to fix any of these, but we are going to release more DLC for it." Yeah. Which that's essentially the Force Unleashed. I booted it up on my PS3. There's no patches. They never fixed any of the problems in this game. Yeah. However, when I booted up the 360 version, it had it did have some it did download some patches. So maybe we okay. did diff- play essentially play different versions of the same cut. So maybe the, they did fix the 360 version and didn't bother with the PS3 one. God knows why. Thanks for that, guys. Oh, no, there are better Star Wars games out there, and I can recommend a few, but this one only seek out if you have an interest in it. And then again, do on the PS2 or the Wii version. Yeah, or the, I'd recommend the PSP one. That one was pretty good. Yeah. 
But yeah, overall, yeah, again, if you're not a Star Wars fan, you're not going to like Yeah, game. don't bother. It's, don't even bother with it. Go ahead. If you want to play a game where you're given ridiculous powers and get to be a badass, go seek out the two prototype games for PlayStation 3 and 360. Those games are awesome. Or play the Grimlock stage in Wall of Cybertron. Yeah, or heck, if you still have something that can play PS2 and X, regular Xbox games, grab PsyOps. That game is so much fun. So, what were you, so your overall opinion was on this one? Do the better cut. If you're, yeah. but only if you're a, a pretty good Star Wars fan. Okay, yeah, for me, I hated this game severely. Um, to just put this in perspective, before I say what I did to this game, huh. it has been. I think the last time I actually threw a controller while playing a game was back in 2008 when I was playing Metal Gear Solid 4, and it was like 12 o'clock in the morning. I had no reflexes, and I was trying to beat a really poorly done boss. And I actually spiked the controller on the uh, couch. And I've screamed at games before. I've cussed at games before. God, you should have seen me playing Jack 2 back in the game in oh, the day. I, I loved the story of that game, but holy crap, was it frustrating. Much less everyone gets pissed off at games like Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah. Or just pissed off against the people you're playing against. <laughs> so when I reached... a boss in this game where I took its health down to zero, kept trying having to do the quick time event, kept screwing up the quick time event because the, the basically I would hit the button to attack it or to trigger the quick time event and there was some weird delay so it didn't work at first so I hit a different button and then the quick time event would start and would register that I hit the wrong button. So I started yelling at the game. I hit the controller against the couch. I sent Pete a couple of angry texts. Yes, you did. All in caps, with many, many, many expletives in them, and insults for the creators of the game. I stopped playing, I took out the disc, and broke it into three pieces. As mad as I was at Sonic 06, I didn't break it. I took it out of the system. I threw it across the room. I I saw the disc break a little bit. I bit the disc. So this game literally bites. I then threw the disc a few times, and it shattered into three pieces, and I sent Pete a picture of the three pieces. Yeah. With the, I believe I said, use the force now, bitch. Unleash the fury! Or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I uh, I didn't like this game very much. I don't know if anyone could tell that or not. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away! Hey, boo! Boo! No. And again, this may have to do with the fact you were playing an unpatched version. Yeah. Of the worst cut. Oh. Who knows how the PC version turned out. Yeah. That could be scary. Yep, so overall, I give this game a 3 out of 10, because that's how many pieces the disc broke into. Uh, 6 or 7 out of 10 for the Wii Cut. Yeah. I might pick up the PS2 version at one point, if I can find it for really cheap. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. To be honest, I probably would have just traded the game in, but it's worth like a dollar at GameStop, if that. So I was like, screw it, this thing's not worth anything. It's not even worth it. I don't even want to use it as a coaster. Which means, and I use old AOL discs as coasters, which means I play this, place this game 
as worse and less valuable than an AOL disc. I think that's the worst insult I can give it, now that I think about it. All right, so next time. You know, we've been uh, got two video game episodes under our belts. I think we do something else that's game-related, but not an actual game. Mario Brothers movie? I was thinking of something different. A prequel, if you could call it. It's a, it has a legend in it. It's a legend of a famous character. That a famous female character. That many people who are fans of the franchise really enjoy. Okay, don't spoil it. What are we doing? Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Yatta. Oh, God. Yep. See you next time, folks. Chancellor Palpatine is evil! From my point of view, the Jedi are evil! From my point of view, a monkey wrote this script with his penis! (laughs) 